0: Welcome to the Encephalitis podcast. I am delighted to be joined here today by our new chair of the Encephalitis Society uh, and Board of Trustees, Gegan Gahia. Gagan joined the board in 2020 after being an Observer trustee for a few months, which is a process that many of our trustees go through. Gagan is also our trustee lead for diversity and inclusion and works for an international telecommunications company. Thank you for joining me, Gagan. Thank you for having me, Ava. It's so exciting. I, I can't, you, two women leading the encephalitis society. I think this is the start of a new chapter, right? I believe so. Look, I've got so many questions for you, but first of all, let me ask you, for people that don't know, what is a trustee?
1: So, it's a good place to start, Um, and again, thank you for taking time out for having this conversation with me. Now, you know I've got three dogs, so if you hear the occasional bark, let's just put it down to COVID and the way we live our lives. (laughs) So. Uh, A trustee is a legal term, actually, which can get a little bit complex, but ultimately, in the context of trustees for a charity, they hold the overall responsibility, so they ensure the charity is carrying out its purposes for the benefit of the public. We also make sure that the charity is compliant with the various governance and regulations and legalities. Um, We make sure that everybody's accountable for something um, and we make sure that we manage resources responsibly as well. And the most important ones really is that um, we ensure that we're taking care of things with a kind of reasonable amount of skill um, and expertise. And overall that, um, um, that the whole board um, as individual trustees and a board as a whole um, are acting in the best interests of the charity. So that's kind of the, the definition of what a trustee is. But ultimately it's um, it's a person in position of trust.
0: Yeah, I hear you've got to deal with some tr- tricky CEO types sometimes as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, there are those also, um, <laughs> but you know, as long as they're well behaved, <laughs> we don't always. have to see too much with
0: them. <laughs> I'm always well behaved, for the record. No, um, <laughs> you know, more more seriously, you know, tell me a little bit about your connection to encephalitis because I know you've got a really personal connection.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, my brother, my big brother, is actually um, an encephalitis survivor. So he contracted HSV one encephalitis. Um, it will be three years ago, uh, actually. Actually, this month it will be three years ago. Um, I knew so little about it. I didn't know how common it actually is. How devastating its impact can be. You know, not just on the individual, but but also on on everybody around them. Um, And when my brother fell sick, I found the Encephalitis Society um, and they were so helpful um, as my family and I were kind of trying to get through the critical phase of of my brother's illness and really understand what was happening to him because we had no idea. you know sadly my brother wasn't diagnosed immediately and so he's been left with um, a lasting um acquired brain injury now um that his family and he are going to have to cope with forever really but um as you said it's a very personal connection to to the society mm,
0: thanks for sharing that um i, I know that we're, we're still you know working with you in the family as well um, um yeah. but i guess why become a trustee though i mean you've got all of that going on it feels like a lot of responsibility you've got a really important full-time job you've got three dogs a cat and and now a trusteeship. what you know what motivated you
1: yeah you could say i don't do things by halves i guess um three dogs being an example of that you know one would have been enough um there's a there's a latin um adage that says uh take the wolf by the ears. Um, And I think in this case, the wolf for me was encephalitis. So I wanted to do something constructive um, that could kind of help either further the research or the understanding or the awareness or all three of those things um, of this disease. um, And really try and understand more about patient outcomes um, due to what happened in my brother's case in particular. And what struck me about society when I first used it as a beneficiary was how they just went above and beyond to help. And um, it was as if I had an extension to my to my friends and family as a support group. Um, and it really meant it meant so much to me. And I don't think that um, I don't think actually we would have been as well informed or um, as, had an understanding that grounded us in a reality, without the NKF society, and so I felt like I had a huge, um, you know, debt of gratitude. And once we were out of the woods with my brother's critical illness, um, I kind of just wanted to give something back, and um, even if it, even if it meant that just one, one other person didn't have to go through, you know, what what my, my brother's wife or, or his children or the rest of us as his extended family had been through. Um, And actually being a trustee is also very fulfilling. Um, You know, I found that there was something missing after my life, after my brother fell sick. Um, You know, there was this feeling that everything was a little bit futile. Um, And so helping out with the Encephalitis Society gave me somewhere where I could put my energy (laughs) rather than it just kind of bumping around, wondering wondering what to do with itself. Um, I think once you've been through an experience like that, it gives you a different perspective um, on life, and kind of makes you take a view on how you're spending your time. Um, and so, yeah, um, you know, once we'd once we'd you'd invited me along to have a little chat about uh, diversity and inclusion, and we got on so well. And um, you know, the whole team there, um, you know, be it uh, the S L T or the board or everyone else that works at the society, were just such a fabulous group of people. I basically couldn't resist you.
0: I'm told I have that effect on people. It's true. (laughs) Um, Look, you joined us, you know, literally. I mean, you've been with us as an observer trustee. Then along comes COVID 19, a global pandemic. That's at the point, actually, that your trusteeship with us was formalized. Mm. certainly for me was one of the most challenging times of of my professional career um with the encephalitis society
1: what was it like being a trustee at that time i mean being human at that time was pretty tough no matter what your situation i think but um i mean luckily through my work um i'm really used to being able to leverage technology to help connect people um, um in the toughest of circumstances so i was quite you know well equipped to to handle all the video calls and the and the long days and the gosh what do we do with this situation um type conversations but aside from that and having had a load of experience in leadership means that you kind of subconsciously accumulate a bunch of skills that help navigate the people around you through times of hardship Um, and I think we're partly very fortunate and partly very skilled in recruiting um at the at the encapitalitis society and therefore we have a set of people including the board who are made up of a really broad spectrum and each of whom bring a different skill set and everyone was so open to to working flexibly and putting in additional measures. You remember the the weekly COBRA meetings that we had, for example, which just meant that we had this deeper level of communication and understanding, um, not only of what the whole team was going through, um, but also that higher level of risk that all of our beneficiaries might be exposed to. It was one of those hopefully once in a lifetime moments when you realize that you kind of have to take immediate and really thoughtful action to ensure that everyone comes through as safely as possible. So it was a really tough time, but also a really, um, it was a really enlightening time, actually, I think we all had to pull on skills that, didn't necessarily know we had um and and obviously your leadership through the encephalitis society was stellar ava um and and actually looking back on it i think it was more uh, weirdly a positive experience than it was um you know a negative one
0: yeah i think i i'd agree with that i think perhaps my more negative moments probably occurred you know personally you know those mm-hmm. those long days of you know staring at the same four walls and not being able to go out like you know so many people um but i think you're right i think we mobilized quickly and early yeah. and i think we have a really agile team um and i think we were able to do things but you know um certainly the you know a big factor as you mentioned was those cobra meetings you know in those early days we were meeting weekly chief executive senior team and the board you know what what's because everything was moving so quickly you know yeah. what, what are the issues this week okay what what are we what what do we need to be thinking about that we're not thinking about and you know we had some difficult conversations didn't we you know we had to talk about if i caught covid and was yeah or died what were we going to do? um lining up people to take you know my position how do we look after the mental health and well-being of our biggest asset which is our staff team yeah not to to mention how do we how do we keep the money coming in but yeah we're here today in part to talk about the encephalitis society's new vision new mission and new values um but first you know, I guess it might be useful to understand why are a clear vision and mission important for an organisation before we talk about um, what they actually are.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know people make the mistake of thinking that it's 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 kind of you know it's good branding and it's good marketing and it's great to have a slogan and you know and those things are all those things are all true. You know, it's great to to be able to you know, sum up what you stand for and, and make it snappy and, um, you know, people go to it. Um, But for me, you know, you can have the absolute dream team behind you giving 110% of their knowledge and experience and expertise and energy. But if you don't know as a collective what it is that you want you'll be kind of spinning out of orbit in in no time. I think energy like that can even be very destructive, actually, if you're not pulling in the same direction. So it's really important to come to a consensus on on the best outcome um, for everybody involved. And that, for me, I think is the most important thing about having that really clearly stated
0: yeah, and we've really streamlined our vision, our mission, and our values. I think, mm-hmm. you know, we've been through this process a couple of times now, and um, this was a really interesting process for me, where actually you people say, make, make things simple, and I think actually that's exactly what we've done. I think we've made things slicker and more, more simple. But um, so our new one state, you know, uh, our vision a world where encephalitis matters to everyone. Our mission, building better futures by driving research, accelerating awareness and saving lives. So I think that's really slick, really streamlined, but I wanted um, our listeners and viewers to understand a little bit more from you about why why did we choose those um what are their relevance to the encephalitis society and what process we went through uh from the point that we decided to review uh the vision and mission and values mm. and then suddenly you do remember we all had that eureka moment didn't we where we're all you know working hard on this and we all went yes that's it we've got it and, and suddenly everybody's there you don't have a dissenting voice in the room do you everybody just goes that's it that's it Um, and it's such an exciting moment actually but talk talk to us a little bit more about that
1: yeah i mean we were all um you know it was the first time that we we'd met as a board for absolutely ages right we were still kind of socially distanced and um but you know windows open and all that sort of thing and um And so that whole process of, you know, coming together and everyone having this energy around finally seeing each other face to face, I think, really helped propel us and get us over the line. Because we would thought it would take us days on end. And actually, we, you know, we got there in a really intense few hours. Um, But I think more than anything, we had to really think about something that was realistic and achievable. And and you know believable and um, for for all of us not only in the organisation but also for all of those lives that we touch outside of it, you know. And I think we also had to think about something that reflected the evolution of the charity as well. You know, we're a mature organisation now, and um, you know over twenty people if you include the board, and of course with our volunteers we increased to well over a hundred people. Um, you know, and even even at that level, you know, it's it's a pretty micro level, and where world leaders in terms of the research and the output around encephalitis so we had to have something that encompassed that gravitas really um and and recognize the fact that we really punch above our weight and actually the message we thought was achievable right now was perhaps not that we want to eradicate encephalitis altogether although i think we started at that didn't we um you know what a wonderful world that would be but but actually what we want is to make people more aware of this indiscriminate disease and for it to be something that is meaningful to everybody And um, you know when they're educated about it and therefore that it matters to everybody and the mission was then built you know really around how we were going to do that and so we took a long list of actions and um, we prioritized them all and said okay well these, you know, these are the you know top, top three, top four, um, and these are really the ones that we're going to have to take. You know, we're gonna have to take this on as a mission in order to get to that overall vision. Um and it took us like I said a number of hours to get to that point where we were happy with it. And then of course we wanted to ensure it was an inclusive process as well. So um, I think after that we asked the, the team to come up with our values, didn't we, that were then going to be linked um, to that mission
0: yeah absolutely we did we we i think we came up <clears throat> i think we came up with um, some values that we wanted to propose to them and and see what they thought Ooh. and and ask them to um, give them some definitions what what did they mean to them but but you're right and we halved our values actually so now we have just three values um, which are passion inclusivity and change makers and i'm so excited by all three of them passion used to be in our original set of values and i think yeah. we all felt that something that it, it flows through the encephalitis society like a stick of rock is passion um you know whether it's from the patients that have been affected family members those left bereaved by the condition but also the people leading the charity and the people working for the charity so i think we all agreed that one had to stay yeah. um But look, let's take each of them in turn and tell us, you know, what you think um, they mean for our society, our our trustees, our our staff and volunteers. And of course, the people that I just mentioned are beneficiaries, those affected by the conditions. So we'll start with passion. You know, why did we? Well, I've talked a little bit about that, but what's your perspective on why we kept that?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's the same. You know, I remember we had um, that virtual team training a number of months ago. Um, and passion was a word that resonated throughout you know those those couple of hours that we spent on that training it was cited I think by pretty much everybody Um, I really think that you know if we kind of go back to that energy that we were talking about before passion is the 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 foundation of it you know everyone really cares about what they're doing and 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 they really care about the best outcomes for everybody um that that uses the charity you know whether that's a beneficiary whether that's um someone who's researching someone who's um Um, you know, a major donor or donor or, or, you know, fundraisers, all these people that are ploughing their energy into it. Um, So I think it really encompassed that. And and like you said, there was no way we could leave that out. That That was probably the linchpin of it, I would say.
0: Now, secondly, inclusivity, a word that I fear may become overused um, at some point, uh, as many other words have become um, in the past. But inclusivity, bit of a buzzword at the moment. um, But why inclusivity then for the Encephalitis Society?
1: I think when you're working with people from all over the world, Um, And everyone has had their own unique experience, especially those who have survived encephalitis. It's really important that we're aware as a charity of how consciously open we need to be in order to ensure we reach as many people as we can. Um, whether that's for awareness, for research or for supporting ongoing challenges with encephalitis, I think it's very easy to, um, you know, fall into habits, no matter how good those habits are and inadvertently sort of leave out a whole chunk of um, people who need you. Um, and so and so for me, that's why inclusivity was was really important and. Um, And I agree with you you know it is it is a buzzword um, but I do think it's an important one and and I do think that you know particularly when we're looking at some of the most vulnerable people in our society that that we make sure that we've got that conscious openness
0: yeah absolutely and I'm going to put you on the spot here um (laughs) there was something that stood out from me around our conversations around this um which was everybody's agreement um that there's one word that's often really other than passion that's often associated with the encephalitis society can you remember what it is family family family
1: and that was another
0: one of the reasons wasn't it that on the day we said actually inclusivity because we want people to feel part of a family not a family that they would have ever chosen to have been part of but nevertheless you're part of it so yeah
1: Yeah. that stood out
0: for me and i love passion i love inclusivity i'm excited by both of them but the one that excites me the most is change makers talk to us a little bit about that
1: me too i thought that too because you know those two are you know absolutely foundational and i think without them we're not going to get where we need to get to but change makers for me is the culmination of those values it's the bit where we take everything we're doing and we create a space for it so we're just pushing for progress we're not settling for the status quo um, and we're continually and um, you know working on that evolution to make sure that we that we change the mindsets around us if they need to be changed um and and cultivate the right mindset to to push us forwards into the future so that's that's my most um that's the one that gets me going as well Ava. yeah it does it appeals
0: to the radical in me to be a change maker um Look, I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, um, you became our new chair of the board. In fact, in July, um, earlier this year, I think, um, and I think if I'm not mistaken, our first female chair in our history. um, What does that feel like?
1: Uh, um, It's a total honour, actually, to be working with such a group of talented people. Um, and of course, you know how committed I am to equity. So any small step forwards there, um, you know, makes makes a huge difference. Um, I'm very new to it. Um, so I'm still learning how to navigate some of the processes and and learning, you know, about the fantastic team that we've got. Um, I'm really excited more than anything to be part of the next phase of the society. I think we've got this incredible and illustrious history um, and now really there are some really exciting developments um, in the pipeline and you know, moving forwards to that next level as a team is just going to be brilliant. I can't wait. I'm very yeah. excited.
0: I'm really excited. I'm really excited to, to do the next few years with you. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so since becoming a trustee, what has your highlight been? Oh,
1: I was thinking about this and I couldn't I, I managed to whistle it down to two. And, and you know, I had a list of dozens. Um, so one was meeting the team up in Yorkshire uh, for the first time, which was just fabulous. Getting to you know speak to everybody and and listen to them about you know their ups and downs and their journey over the past couple of years in particular. Um, it was just really really good to, as you say, kind of feel that feel that family vibe, um, you know, and and have everybody together again. So that was fabulous. Um, And the other one that's really stuck out for me has been um, uh, Donna and I, Donna, who's another one of our trustees, um, attended one of the quarterly meetings with our volunteers alongside Laura. Um, And it was, we were on there for about an hour together and it was just so moving to hear the stories from you know so many of the volunteers and see their passion firsthand um, of wanting to make a difference because obviously many of them have been through their own um, experiences with encephalitis be it you, you know personally or or a family member um, and yeah I think that that will stay with me for a very very long time um, you know this uh, kind of deep understanding of of this horrible disease but then this just this massive kernel of hope um that they wanted to drive out awareness about it it was so inspiring um yeah yeah it's getting emotional thinking about it. <laughs> that's fabulous it's fabulous so so yeah those two those two I, I
0: know how you feel um i i remember um hosting the first retreat ever which i think was around about 2004 I did this and I'd been told not to do it do not get 50 people with a brain injury and some of whom are bereaved all together in one place it's all just going to be awful I was told um, and I just didn't think it was going to be and do you know what we <clears throat> we laughed and did a little bit of crying now and again but mainly laughed uh, for the two or three days that we were all together, uh, bringing people together, it's something that's remained a, a staple of the Encephalitis Society when we can afford to do it, uh, throughout. But I, what I remember afterwards was I cried for three days.
1: Oh, Ava,
0: I did. The profound impact on people, and this was—remember, you know—you talked about us having, you know, quite a solid history now. This was. Mm-hmm way back into that you know 20 20 years ago nearly um and these people had never connected with each other you know Uh, at that point i was running around the country fighting fires you know um when we realized that wasn't a sustainable way of doing things but Mm -hmm. These people had never connected with each other. They didn't know that there was other people like them and just the swapping of stories and the hope that people left with and the toolbox that they left with going. So I spoke to that person and they found a way, you know, to do this. And I'm going to try that when I get home. And, you know, people uplifted. It was incredible. And, um, you know, and John, John, who everybody knows on this, that, you know, runs our support line. You know, John and I really bonded over over that weekend. You know, we'd driven all the way there to—I think it was Wales—drove all the way back. Um, you know, uh, yeah. And I just remember him stopping because it was a vegetarian place. Not that you would have ever have known that the retreat was vegetarian because the food was just unbelievable. And I just, yeah, remember us laughing and crying in the way back, and um, and John saying, "Can we stop for a burger?" <laughs> So, so yeah I know how you feel but you know it's those things that motivate us I still have a picture of that first retreat in my office at the offices and I look at it I look at it and you you know if you have a tough you day you don't need to motivation. look at that right and yeah. you're just like yeah that's what that's why we do it that's what it's all for
1: yeah
0: but um you know what are your hopes and plans for the society under under your tenure
1: Oh God! Uh, trying not to make a total hash of things, probably to start with. Um, but seriously, uh, I, I I hope that we can work together so we can build towards that next phase of growth um, for the society. Um, you know, as as we know, there's a number of developments underway, which I think will really help us step up the research and the contribution towards making a difference on a on a larger scale for people. Who really need it, you know, whether that's fundraising, research, resources, um, or simply the the, the global reach um, of the charity, um, you know. So, so I really hope that we can continue to simplify some of the some of the back end stuff um you know focus double down on on the research focus and double down on you know um reaching out to to people who actually use the charity um and really get it right for them um, you know that's 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 what i'd love to do over the next yeah. few years and we will we will of course we will. we will
0: right well look we've got christmas coming up and i'm afraid that you're not going to get to go without answering some christmas desert island disc questions
1: mm-hmm. yes, so which, yes which i hadn't had a chance to prepare for have i Eva? no
0: none none <laughs> whatsoever i'm afraid um so your first desert island island disc question mm-hmm. what is your favorite christmas song oh
1: god um oh there are so many ava um it's got to be Coldplay Christmas Lights okay okay what is the best Christmas
0: present you've ever had
1: (laughs) um I'm really bad at remembering presents um I can't remember what I got last year I'll tell you what, no I do remember, I remember I got a um, She-Ra horse when I was probably about four, um, and that was probably one of my best Christmas presents ever. A She-Ra
0: horse?
1: Yeah, because I had She-Ra, but I didn't have the horse. Oh no, Right. what use is She-Ra, right, if she
0: can't get around?
1: Exactly. So, yeah, so that was probably, yeah. I mean, it's the one that stuck with me, right? <laughs> I mean, there's probably been amazing ones since then. God, Chris is going to kill me. Anyway, um, yeah, she, ride her Horse, we'll go for that. Okay, and
0: what was your worst <laughs> Christmas present ever? Oh. Think carefully um, in
1: case the giver is still
0: <laughs> alive um, but potentially um,
1: listening. Um, Worst Christmas present. Okay, it wasn't wasn't necessarily the, the present um it was more the fact that um it just turned into a you know bottle of whiskey before lunch and ended in playing depressive songs That was pretty that was a pretty bad Christmas oh yeah that one oh yeah. that's sad
0: oh yeah, no we don't was- like that we're moving on to happy yeah. next Good. We're moving on yeah. to Christmas dinner. <laughs> what would you ask for seconds of? Oh, potatoes. Roasties. Oh, okay. Every time. Every time. Yeah. All right. And off your plate, what are you quietly handing to the dog under the table?
1: Parsnips. Parsnips can do one. They're so overrated. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get them. It's like eating sweet wood. Weird. We've just turned
0: off all the parsnip lovers now. <laughs> um, but it does Sorry. make a change from sprouts. Everybody says sprouts. So I thank like you. Sprout. I'm I, I like sprout. a sprout. Yeah. Well, good for you. Um, your final question of this podcast, nearly. There's one more after this. But anyway, <laughs> um, do you have a favourite Christmas movie? Breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Tiffany's iconic yeah. the wonderful Audrey Hepburn
1: yeah and you know maybe it's not a traditional uh Christmas movie but it's one that I always watch at Christmas and um, so yeah Breakfast at Tiffany's perfect well look, if we... it was if it happened to arrive with Tiffany's piece of jewelry then that would that would be my probably my next favorite present
0: yeah texting Christmas. your partner now
1: Yeah. so that he
0: watches this podcast thank you very much yeah texting him now um look we're nearly at the end of the podcast um thank you so much for your time i know how busy you are and uh you know but but my final question is um is there anything else that you'd like to say or is there a question that you wish that i'd asked you that i
1: haven't um No I think you've you've as ever Ava you're thoughtful and considerate and have thought this through brilliantly so yeah um the only question you didn't ask me was when are we going to catch up and see each other again I hope it will be really really soon
0: (laughs) of course of course um I'm seeing you in December it's not far
1: yes it's true I'm counting down the days
0: Um, Look, we've covered an awful lot, as I say, we're really, really grateful to you for taking the time to chat and to share with us, Megan, you know, especially your personal story, your personal journey. Um, the encephalitis society services remain at everybody's um, back and call everybody's service so if you need any support or information our teams remain at your service go to encephalitis.info for contact details or to chat online with any of the team Um, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast and as always if you can support our life-saving work then we'd be extremely grateful Um, please visit encephalitis.info forward slash donate most of all though from Gagan and I, have a great festive season, everyone. Keep supporting the Encephalitis Society and do remember that we are stronger together. <laughs>